Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Get your free 31-page PDF on the top 200 drugs. Great no-brainer if you're out in practice, if you're taking pharmacology courses. We've got some of the most highly testable information that you're going to see in there. So uh, simply an email will get you access to that, and then we get you updates when we've got new podcast episodes available and other content as well. So again, reallifepharmacology.com, simply an email subscription will get you access to that. All right, let's get into the drug of the day today, and that is spironolactone. Brand name of this medication is Eldactone. This is a potassium sparing diuretic. Now, mechanistically, how does this work? Uh, The other classification is it's an aldosterone antagonist. So it binds where aldosterone is going to bind on receptors and ultimately blocks that aldosterone binding. By doing that, we're going to increase sodium chloride elimination as well as we're going to increase water excretion. So this is again a potassium sparing diuretic so it causes some of that water excretion. Now as you can imagine potassium is spared so potassium goes back into the bloodstream and that's why we can have uh, elevated potassium levels uh, with this medication. So that's how the drug works. Now what conditions, disease states do we use this medication in? So uh, first and foremost, uh, it is classified as an antihypertensive, so you may see it for that. Usually it's uh, a little bit more refractory cases. So for instance, you know, you're usually going to see your calcium channel blocker, your thiazide diuretic, and maybe an ACE or an ARB inhibitor, uh, excuse me, an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. Um, Those are really going to be the go-to's. Uh, But if you get down the road where we're still struggling to manage hypertension or we've had intolerances to those other medications, uh, that's where you may see uh, spironolactone in play there. Other diagnoses, so edema and swelling from CHF, ascites, uh, so those are two uh, important indications. With ascites, I did want to mention that for that, you know, abdominal fluid loss, it's often used in combination uh, with furosemide, and the ratio on that that's used together uh, is 100 milligrams of spironolactone to 40 milligrams of furosemide, and that's done so to kind of level off that potassium. Furosemide is going to kick out potassium from the body, and, and spironolactone is going to cause uh, that potassium sparing effect. So to kind of even out that potassium, that's typically the ratio that's used. Now, obviously, we're going to pay attention to patients. We're going to monitor them uh, clinically and by checking labs and that sort of thing. Uh, And it may need some adjusting and tweaking from there, but that's kind of a a little bit of a rule of thumb uh, with the dosing of those two agents together in ascites. Uh, A couple other things, uh, definitely less common. uh, So female hair loss is one. Uh, acne is another one as well. Uh, remember, this medication does have some anti-androgenic effects, um, which you know certainly uh, that could contribute to some acne. So that's why this medication um, it can be helpful in that setting there as well. 
usual dosage ranges, uh, 25 to 100 milligrams, maybe up to 150 milligrams. Um, I would say the most common situation I see, yeah, we're in that 25 to 100 uh, milligram dosing range. Uh, heart failure. So there is some specific guidance uh, with regard to heart failure and using spironolactone, and it's in relation to renal function and potassium. So rec- it's recommended to avoid use in patients with an EGFR of less than 30 uh, for heart failure patients. And if you've got a patient that has a baseline potassium of five or more, it's also recommended uh, to avoid spironolactone. It could certainly worsen both of those situations. All right, so let's dig into adverse effects a little bit more deeply. So first and foremost, probably the uh, classic uh, test question, uh, if you're in pharmacology classes and school, that sort of thing, um, spironolactone can cause gynecomastia. So basically enlargement uh, of male breast, man boobs, you may hear it referred to as, as far as a uh, non-medical term. And obviously this is an adverse effect that probably doesn't happen overnight, right? I mean, that that wouldn't make a, a ton of sense. So um, it's associated with higher dosages and a longer duration of use. We're more and more likely to see that. So um, and doses above, you know, at or above 150 milligrams, uh, that's where you're more and more likely to see it, which, you know, is why we, uh, one of the reasons, I guess, why we, we try to uh, uh, limit that dose to less than 150 if possible. All right, other adverse effects, elevated potassium. Uh, so patients who are at risk for that are a lot of people uh, in the population that I work with mostly. So older age, they might have some renal impairment. They're on other meds, uh, ACE inhibitors, ARBs, uh, maybe even NSAIDs that can increase uh, that potassium or that hyperkalemia risk. Um, if they've got a, a baseline potassium that's already, you know, upper end of normal, that's another situation where we may uh, increase that risk for hyperkalemia and obviously uh, bad things to happen because of that. Other adverse effects, uh, spironolactone, it's going to lower blood pressure, so orthostasis, dizziness, uh, that's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, diuresis, I kind of alluded to, so um, increasing urinary frequency is something I've certainly seen happen. And with that, the prescribing cascade, uh, if you see, uh, let's say, urinary anticholinergic being used for urinary frequency, um, let's try to make sure that uh, we're not causing that by using excessive uh, diuretics and things of that nature. So uh, definitely pay attention to that whenever you hear a patient ask for a medication to uh, reduce urinary frequency. Be sure to assess other meds that may have diuretic effects. Uh, erectile dysfunction and sexual adverse effects are possible as well. And then from an electrolyte standpoint, obviously I alluded to elevations in potassium, um, but it kicks out sodium. So hyponatremia can happen. Uh, lower magnesium levels can happen. Lower calcium levels can happen uh, on account of spironolactone. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, ambulatory care, BCMTMS, 
geriatric exam, or the NAPLEX, go check out meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. We've got a growing list of resources there uh, that will definitely help you prepare and pass your board exam. If you're another healthcare professional, a uh, dietitian, for example, we've got a book on food-drug interactions. Uh, if you're in primary care, we've got a great book on uh, drug interactions in primary care. Uh, nursing, uh, we've got pharmacology crossword puzzle book. That's definitely interesting. Um, lots of different stuff. Flashcards, uh, also audiobooks as well. Uh, so please go support the sponsor. Any purchases there uh, directly help uh, keep this podcast going. So uh, certainly appreciate it. The link, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, so let's wrap up with drug interactions. So first and foremost, uh, potassium elevating medications. So uh, ACEs, ARBs, uh, your Arnie in heart failure can often be used with spironolactone. Um, in that situation. So um, obviously recognize those and monitor potassium levels. A few others that you you may not think of quite so much, uh, cyclosporin, tacrolimus, so those are immunosuppressive type agents. Uh, rarely, you know, if you got a patient on chronic heparin products, uh, like an oxparin, for example, um, there is some association with hyperkalemia there. Um, NSAIDs, uh, not something I get crazy worried about usually, but there is uh, potentially some associations there with hyperkalemia when used in combination with other drugs that can do that. Uh, And then last but not least, uh, I want to mention trimethoprim. I have seen uh, this medication cause a significant hyperkalemia uh, in a patient taking uh, other drugs that raise potassium levels. So uh, don't forget that one. Um, often in the combination of, of Bactrim used for uh, UTI infections, skin infections maybe potentially. So uh, definitely pay attention to that. Uh, other interactions, blood pressure lowering medications. I think that's kind of common sense. Um, uh, some drugs that aren't considered antihypertensives. Uh, Parkinson's agents can lower blood pressure. Some of those dopamine agonists. Uh, PDE5 inhibitors for sexual dysfunction like sildenafil, uh, those can drop blood pressure. Uh, And then on the flip side, think about meds that can raise blood pressure. So stimulants, for example, um, can directly oppose uh, what we're trying to do there. Uh, If we are using these diuretics or uh, spironolactone for uh, edema swelling purposes and to reduce that, also think about medications that can worsen fluid status. Uh, I think of gabapentin, pregabalin, uh, NSAIDs, for example, um, pioglitazone for diabetes, that can cause some edema and swelling. Um, all good examples there to pay attention to and make sure we're not contributing uh, to the prescribing cascade and polypharmacy in general. All right, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, Go take the time, support the sponsor, uh, meded101.com slash store. A lot of great resources there for uh, something for everybody, for sure. So uh, go check that out. Uh, Get a gift for somebody. Uh, Support the podcast uh, as well there. If you want to reach out to me, mededucation101 at gmail.com. 
And that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.